Merry Christmas. Welcome. I'm Mark Buckner. I'm the pastor here. And I love Christmas. I love this season. I, I love everything about it. I love Christmas trees. I even, when I was younger, loved Santa. Uh, I, I like shopping. You know, I like uh, seeing people out. I like cold weather. Supposedly, it might snow on Christmas Day. I've been watching the app, you know. We'll see what we got here. It's the most snow we've had around this. I don't think we've had snow in December in several years. So it's kind of white, still in patches occasionally in different places. Um, and I, I love my family, and I love this family. So it's, it is, it's fun to be here with you. I love meeting your extended families. And uh, uh, so we, sh- we should have children's programs about every other week so we get all your extended family in here regularly. Um, that might be a little complicated, but it's fun. It's so good to be here. And I'm talking today out of the life of Joseph. So Joseph doesn't get a lot of press during the Christmas season, you know? It's, it is mostly about Mary, but he's a significant man. And we have his genealogy right here in Matthew chapter 1, if you want to turn with me there. And this is about an encounter with God. And over the course of this season, where we've, the, the messages have been around this theme, don't be afraid. It's the most common command in the Bible. And you think of commands as some sort of obligation. But God shows up, and he says, don't be afraid. And with the power of those words, we're able to obey and release anxiety, to release fear, and to lean into him and to trust. The first week, we spoke about, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Last week was, don't be afraid, I'm working. And today, it's, don't be afraid, I'm speaking. Don't be afraid, you can hear me. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be lost for guidance at the deepest and most critical seasons in your life. I'm speaking. Let me pray as I'm getting started here. Lord, we're asking for a revelation that you would, you would come and give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Our senses would be in tune with you and would be heightened. You'd turn the volume up so that we could clearly be aware of all the things you're doing in our lives, and we could respond to you with joy. Make your word alive today, in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's what we're doing today. I, I, I know we've heard these stories again and again. If you've been in the church longer than three years, you've heard the Christmas story a few dozen times. Because God coming to earth, Jesus becoming a, hun- a human, is the most unimaginable thing that could happen. We are not like any other religion because we are about a relationship. It's not a set of rules. It's not a God who dropped golden tablets. It's not a God who's causing you to check a whole bunch of boxes in order to be in his presence. He came. He revealed himself. He suffered. He felt what we feel. He became incarnate. God, Emmanuel. And part of this was him speaking to people in very dramatic ways. So this story in in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, 
we see uh, a, really a Jewish perspective of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew was speaking to Jews. And so what did he do? He did a genealogy. He said, this is real. All of your ancestors are a part of this story, as he's speaking to these people. This is fact. And, and that's part of the information, the historic substance of the Gospels here is these were real people in time and space. And this was his father and his father and his father and some of their mothers in the process of this whole story. And then we get down to Mary and Joseph. And it says, and this is how it happened. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. And we have uh, uh, in Luke, it's a, it's a separate passage. There's two of these birth stories, Luke and Matthew. And they're a little bit different. And some of it is because, not because different things happened, but because they happened in different order or different time. For instance, later on in the story, we have the Magi coming to a house. And that's because they didn't come at the same time as the angels and the shepherds. It was actually later on where they, they saw the star and came to this place, and they came at a time when they were in a house, another location, or possibly the same location, but not in the barn, uh, another part of the property. So, uh, and then Joseph is overwhelmed, and God speaks to him, don't be afraid. And uh, we see that story rolling out, the Magi coming, they're following a star. There's all these ways that God is speaking, very dramatically. God is speaking when we need to hear it, and he's speaking just a part of our regular relationship in our lives. So let me, let me read the passage, all right? Matthew 1.18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he could have done something shamefully, could have done something, says he was faithful to the law. He could have looked for a way to punish her for what happened. But he's, he was faithful to the law, but he was a righteous man, and he wanted to be kind. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means God saves. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And Mary took home, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So Joseph was a man of substance, a man of great character. He was not the father of Jesus, but he was the man on this earth who fathered him, who taught him 
how to live life, who taught him how to be a carpenter, who taught him the law of God, who taught him God's word. And he has a dream. He actually has four dreams. So let's look at this. Now, a dream and a situation. Mary got open vision, audible voice of God through Gabriel, direct communication. Joseph was asleep. And in this dream, the angel comes to him in a dream in Matthew 1.20. After he considered all that happened with Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and spoke. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Another time the angel comes. So this is about three to four years, okay, before Jesus is born and then all the way through the time in Egypt and then returning. Matthew 2, 13, when they had gone, so the Magi visit, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, says, get up. He said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So amazing. A genocide occurs. You know, before Moses was born, there was a genocide. There was all of these male children that were killed in Egypt And there was a deliverance that happened through Moses' life. And before Jesus is born, or after he's born, rather, right at the time of all of this, this incredible tragedy happens. But God warns Joseph in a dream. He says, flee, go to Egypt. Now, after living in Egypt for a while, Matthew 2.19 Angel of the Lord appears to, to, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and says, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So each one of these places, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, I like to meditate on Scripture because I, I want it to be real. We want every part of the story to not be some nice, friendly, cute thing that we're, we're so familiar with. But we want to dig down deeper and say, this is crazy, huge, dramatic impact on this man's life. And God, at, at critical points, okay, number one, his wife's pregnant, okay. Imagine you're engaged, your wife's pregnant, your fiance's pregnant, and it's not you. And you're fully confident of that because of the purity of your relationship. That's a, that's a little intense. God comes in and speaks to him in a dream. Another place before a genocide that's all about him. This king has had a group of men, a caravan, come into town. And again, this is, this is the only show in town. There's not lots of television channels going on. People coming in that are impressive from another country, they come to the king and say, another king has been born. And it says in the scripture, Herod was troubled. 
at that. So this is not a nice guy, okay? He uh, would kill members of his family. And there's someone who sounds like is going to overthrow his kingdom. And if not him, his, the, whoever will inherit from him. And it says all of Israel, all of Jerusalem was troubled also. So what does he do? He goes to find out where this is going to happen. He asks the priests, and they say, it's, it's Bethlehem. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. When these men leave, and they, he, Herod says, tell me how it goes, come back and give a report, all for the purpose of killing this one individual. And he's so angry because these guys don't come back. He feels tricked by them. And we don't know how many little boys were killed. But before that, a dream comes. It says, flee the country. And then Herod dies, and there's purpose for Jesus to be raised in Israel. God's hand is deeply involved in this. He says, go back. But he, on the way, a fourth dream comes. And having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So dreams... There's all types of dreams, and I'm, I'm just going to say a few minutes of understanding, just perspective a little bit of what's happening here. In this specific situation, there's a dream that is almost like the audible voice of God. It is very distinct, very directive. There, so that's a class way up here of the clarity and the strength and direction of God's will in a specific situation. And let me, let me encourage you. You don't have to be afraid about hearing God's voice. He wants to speak to you more than you want to hear it. And some of us would say, you know, if we were just doling out free gifts this morning, okay, God said he's going to speak to at least ten of you in an audible voice, First people down here, you get it, you know. There's, there's a hunger and a desire for us to get something powerful and dramatic to happen in our lives. But there's also a warning. The louder God talks to you, the more serious your future is going to be. He is strongly directive when you need it most. And for, for most of our lives, for most of the time, it is written. He's given you his word. He's, he's guiding you by his heart. It's a still, small voice. But sometimes he speaks strongly. Another type of dream is what happened in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. And as, in, uh, Daniel, Daniel was called in he, uh, to interpret a dream. And this dream... Daniel speaks to Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he's shown Nebuchadnezzar what's going to happen in the days to come. Sometimes dreams are about putting a mystery into our lives that, are, that we are supposed to figure out. It's, it's a puzzle that he's placed in us to, in a sense, to 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 really push you into hunger. 
We lived in Indonesia for 10 years, and we lived in a context that was very um, mystical. Most places outside of the West, they have no problem with supernatural things. Their, their reference point, they have so little explanation for what's happening around them, they quickly assign it to a, a demon or some other, an angel or some other force. And we found out that over the course of time, this is happening really all over the world, God is speaking to Muslims all over the world in dreams. And you can, you can Google this stuff. And there's story after story after story, dramatic events that have happened. It's one that was recorded that, that uh, uh, Sean Richmond talked about recently where a group of people in a raft were traveling across the Mediterranean trying to get into Europe, and they started sinking. And in this large group of people had an appearance of Jesus speaking to them. They were rescued, and that whole community came to the Lord. They got to the other side, and they said, what is this? Who's someone that can explain what this shining vision spoke to us? Now, that's a little bit hard for some of us to get our, wrap our heads around. Open vision, audible voice, dreams. I'm just telling you, it happens. And some of our dullness is we just start at square one, the spirit realm's not real. And that's kind of a, a fairy tale. That's a fantasy out there somewhere. In our experience, this happened so commonly that someone researched it. They just kind of said, okay, I'm, I'm going to try, try this. I'm going to do a project. And they interviewed, they just asked random people, hundreds of people, have you ever had a dream of a guy shining robes, bright face, saying, uh, seek me, or go to, you know, look at the Bible, or my name is Jesus, I have plans for your life. And he found one out of every 20 people in our region had had a dream like that. So we started using it as an evangelism tool. We would just, you know, we'd, different forms of ways to communicate the gospel. You kind of, we call it fishing. You throw out different phrases or words or stories. And a person that God's working in their life, they just lean in. Some people would curse you, push you away, walk away. We're, we're just looking, where is God at work? And you try a few different things, nothing happens. You're like, oh, okay. It's like, have you ever had a dream about a you know, guy shining? And so often we'd get, no, but my cousin has. No, but this other person has that I know, and they're talking about it all the time. God puts dreams in our lives as mysteries to call us out to, to seek things, to seek him. And it's, again, you, you may put that in a category over here and say, eh, I'm not sure about that. It is phenomenal. In the middle of this world where we think we've got an enemy in, in all of these people in, uh, it, from a Muslim culture, and there are so many of them that are responding to Jesus in dramatic ways. God gives dreams. Now, for the majority of us, 
God gives dreams in other ways and times. And, and there's books on this. Again, huge subjects. But he speaks to you in your dreams. And I, I happen to like to take naps. I don't know if you've, uh, for me, studying over the years or I'm pushing against something and my mind is just clouded. So I just lay down for a little bit and, and rest and let all that stuff go. And somewhere right between being asleep and being awake, there's an, a, there is a, an area where our minds are fertile. There's something clear right there. You, you, and you wake up and this dream is vivid. Many, many times, it's because you had pizza last night. (laughs) But sometimes, it's because God is speaking in your life. And I want to encourage you to pay attention to these things. God often speaks to us in dreams that are significant. And you wake up like, what was that? And it, it may be important. It may be a way that God is work, wanting to work in your life. So God speaks. He speaks. And in another way, now, again, this is a little less common, but uh, God spoke to some people in this passage through a star. How many of you ever heard from stars before? Not a large crowd out there. But... These guys are called Magi. They were a priestly class, probably Persia. They had ancient Jewish texts. Israel had been captured, taken, ransacked, and taken all back, all their stuff, the items in the temple, all their books, anything of value was taken back to Babylon. And these guys... Uh, were getting their PhDs in Jewish history and had had to read all of this stuff again and again, and, and they knew prophecy. They knew God had spoken something was going to happen. So they're kind of alert. And they're also something that in our modern times we would call astrologers. Now, that sounds, uh, again, I, I think that there's... Something very negative about that. And I'm going to explain that just a little bit more in a a moment. But these men, at that time, God really did speak to people. They didn't have a lot of bright lights that allowed you to not see the stars at night. They were aware of the heavens. This was part of how transportation happened. You know, you guided, you knew locations of where you were through the stars. And in, in the first part of Matthew, they show up in Jerusalem and they said, there's a star. Where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And then they left that place and after they heard the king, they heard talk to Herod, they saw where the star went and went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So there's a, a place where they spoke, uh, excuse me, where they were led even with stars. God spoke to them in, them in this way. 
And another way God spoke is, and I've referenced this a couple of different times, is all of these prophetic scriptures. And again, giving weight to the Jews. Matthew 1.22, this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. In Matthew 2.5, and they replied, this is what the prophet has written. Matthew 2.15, and so it was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Matthew 2.17, and that was was what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. Matthew 2.23, and he went and lived in a town in Nazareth. So that what was fulfilled, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. So the scripture, all, all through the Old Testament, all the different books that were written, God led them, spoke to them. They were hearing his voice and looking for purpose at this season. Now, the Magi, let me explain something. Again, there's, there's all these, uh, where we lived in, in Southeast Asia, they were called dukuns. Uh, in, in Africa and certain countries, they're called shaman. Uh, here you can see palm readers. And again, in, in, in the countries in the two-thirds world, the places outside of the West, this, it's not spooky, it's not strange, it's not spectacular. It's just a part of their lives. And they pay money for this stuff. They say, you know, I, I'm sick and I can't afford a doctor, so I'm going to go to this guy. That happened again and again. But good news, we don't have to do that. Hebrews chapter 1 is a powerful passage. So I was in, when I was in college, I was in a place where a man, I, I met this guy, got to know him and his family, and he was a believer. He was a follower of Jesus. I went to church with him. It's an African-American family. And, uh, but there was something unusual about his life. And we, we were talking one time. Early on, when I just met him, and he told me my birthday, he told me uh, my mother and father's personality, and he started telling me things about my future, and they were all accurate. It kind of freaked me out. And, and he said, you know, I, I don't know what to do with this. It's, it, it, people are telling me I've got a demon. And I said, Possibly. And I was really confused by this. And I looked. Sometime later, I was reading in Hebrews, and here's the good news. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. In the past, there were times where it was stars. In the past, it was these, some of these different voices that were unusual. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. So good news. He wants to have a relationship with you face to face. He has broken down the dividing wall by his blood. You don't have to go to another person to get them to mediate between you and God. You call on the name of Jesus, and He will speak to you.
And he's written his word out. He's, he's, he's looking for you. He's looking for a way to reveal himself. Now, for 400 years, between Malachi and Matthew, it's a relative season of silence. And when Jesus comes, all of a sudden, angels start coming out and speaking. People are being led by stars. They're getting open visions. A flood of the voice of God is pouring out on earth with the presence of Jesus. And this is something, in these last days, he's saying it's going to accelerate. There's a way that God's wisdom is being revealed more and more. Do you want in on it? Do you want to hear his voice? He's speaking in these last days through his son. In John 10, 14 through 16, he says, Jesus speaking, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. He's speaking to the Jews saying about the Gentiles. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So don't be afraid. His sheep hear his voice. That anxiety that you have about wanting to hear the voice of God and wanting to obey him, there's a negative thing about it. He said, don't be afraid. But as I talk to people, I say, ah, this is a sign of someone that's hungry. This is this anxiety. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to know his will. I say, yes. You know what? He wants you to know his will. He wants you to hear his voice more than you could ever imagine. I want to ask the worship team to come up here. And, and there's also a ministry team. Why don't we stand together right now? You know, over the holidays, you'll be with family, you'll be somewhat out of gear. And how many of you have experienced this time as actually a low point in your devotional life? It's like all of my disciplines, all of my structure, all of my morning time with Jesus go totally out of gear. Let's ask for grace that that's not true this season. Let's ask him to give us patterns during the next three weeks to where the opposite happens. We are turning up the voice of God in our life. We are turning up our intake in Scripture. Or you're at least staying plugged in in a consistent way. When is it that you... You know, it's... uh, so I'm, I'm an old guy right now, but when I go home, I, I revert to my childhood of irresponsibility. My mother does all the dishes, you know. My wife has, has improved the quality of my life. Like, that's lazy. Get up there and help, you know. But given to my own ways, I fall into certain patterns. Lord, let us rise up in a fresh way in the season. And... I want you to ask, Lord, let me hear your voice more clearly during this time. Your presence is closer than ever before. 
you know, when is Jesus coming back? I don't know. But it's sooner than it was yesterday and last year and the year before. We are closer than we've ever been to the consummation of the ages. We are closer than we've ever been to God's purposes being more fully revealed. And in these last days, he's doing it through his son. By his grace, generously, lavishly in our lives. I want to ask some prayer teams to come up here also. We want to hear God's voice today. And some of you, especially if you've been involved in helping in that way, in any other time, God's given you any level of hunger for discernment, I want you to come up. And we want you to pray with some of these guys. If, for those of you out here saying, I really need to hear the Lord. Would you take this time come up and pray with one of these men or women and say, Lord, how, how do you want to speak to them? We want to turn the dial up. We believe he speaks first through his word. He never speaks in any way in character and purposes against his word. But he loves to enlighten our, our eyes. So we're going to worship. And I, I want you to... Uh, Respond to Jesus in any way that he's working in your life right now. You know, I could be preaching out of the book of Revelation and you're getting uh, something super practical in your life. The Holy Spirit's here. He's going to talk to you very specifically to what's happening in your life. So respond to him, whatever that is. There's someone who hasn't ever opened the door of their heart to have a relationship with Jesus. Come on down here and pray with one of these men or women. We, we want you to know what it means to know him and be known by him. Also, want you to pray while you, where you are. Lord, how can I walk in more simplicity of discipline in this season so that I am growing more in, in, in awareness of your voice? So ask that. Come and pray with these guys about anything just worship him. Let's let's worship and respond to the Lord.